and listeners to another edition of Podcast 17. This is episode 16433 on uh, September the 6th, our first episode of September. Should be an interesting episode because all we have this week is Thomas as of right now. <laughs> How you doing, Thomas? I'm doing just fine. Um, Philip was supposed to be on the show, but he is having connection issues, so he won't be coming on the show this week. Um... So we apologize for that. We have some messages from Philip, though, regardless. And Emmanuel is having microphone issues or computer issues, so he might be dropping in a little bit later. But uh, we can't delay the episode any longer because we don't like you guys waiting. So um, we're just going to do the episode without these guys. And it's just going to be me and Thomas for a little bit. So. Woo! <laughs> anyway, Podcast 17 News. Philip's back. <laughs> That's the first, I guess... Uh, I guess it's the first little piece of news, but I, think I wanted to ask him about his vacation. I feel so bad. I wonder how it was. Anyway, from the mouth of Valve this week, we got a lot of topics to cover. Mainly because Left 4 Dead 2 was at PAX. That's the Penny Arcade Expo for anybody who doesn't know. So PAX was this week. And uh, we'll go in chronological order here from the week. So... That's the order we were going in. First thing, bug fixes for TF2 um, coming straight from the Steam-powered website. We got some. We got two updates to Team Fortress 2, and they update various things, which are mainly just bug fixes. Some community requests that were added were added the ability to set a parent for the item team flag entity. Um, another edit to the item team flag entity, and they also added the intro movie mp3 files to the sound folders. So if you want to play around with those, you can check those out. And then the second update were uh, th just three little fixes. Um, they fixed some inventory issues, some spectating issues, and back-end inventory manipulation issues. So. Nothing too interesting there other than just, you know, your normal run-of-the-mill TF2 updates. I'm assuming you have nothing to talk to about that, Thomas. No, just, you know, random odds and sods. Mm -hmm. I'll just keep rolling through then. Um, next up, we got Gary's Mod. They also had an update, and this was on September 1st. They fixed some crashes, they added some, uh, or they, the TF2 Arena and King of the Hill maps are now organized properly, so... I didn't even know they added the new King of the Hill maps, but that's pretty cool. Um, they added some skybox weapons to fix jiggle bones on NPCs. Jiggle bones now works for ragdolls too. So a few additions and some few tweaks. Once again, nothing too interesting. Our first piece of interesting news from Valve um, comes from the TF2 official blog, and this was posted on September 2nd. And uh, they made a little statement, and I shall read the first paragraph to set the context. They said, over the next few days, we'll be removing all the TF2 items that were earned using external idling applications. We're going to adopt a zero-tolerance policy for external applications used to manipulate the persistent item system. Due to us not having a policy in place prior to today, this time we're only removing the items earned through cheating the system. Going forward, if we find users using external applications, we'll remove all their items. If you're interested, only about 4.5% of the players in TF2's community will be affected by this cleansing process. So basically what they're doing is if you used an external idling application to get some items like hats 
or I don't know, can you do weapons too? Weapons in TF2? Yeah, you can um, do the weapons through the online process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will be losing those, I guess. So they're clamping down on that. They're stomping their foot on those external applications, which is interesting. I don't yeah. know, it's their game, so... Don't be a that. cheating fag, that's the point. Yeah, that's basically the... It's like Punk Buster for Call of Duty, you know? Yeah. I don't know, are they going to add... Are they going to add something on top of VAC, or are they just going to... Are they logging these types of things? It's just probably logging them. I, I would imagine that I, like an idling achievement would look way different than a regular player's achievement, so they can probably look at it like, oh yeah, that's... Mm -hmm. You know, something would look weird. So this must have been something they were watching, because if they're like going retroactively in, in terms of going backwards through time, then they must have this all documented properly, you know, so. Yeah, Nick says it probably detects um, XE hooks in certain ways through VAG, so. Anyway, I hope they don't add something new on top of VAG. I don't think they will, because VAG is enough. I actually like VAG. Anyway, moving on, um, the first part of Left 4 Dead news started coming in on September 1st, and the first thing we saw this week, and I could be wrong, it could have sprung up, sprung up somewhere else, but this is the first place pretty much most of the people saw, and this was on Destructoid, and they mentioned the first, or the new special zombie, or the special infected for Left 4 Dead 2, and it's called the Jockey, and basically what the Jockey does is he looks like a stout little creature. He jumps on your back, and he controls you, essentially. Not in the way that you would think. He just sort of steers you into other hordes of zombies while clawing at your back and ripping out your insides. Um, so making it very hard for your friends to get him off your back. So Destructoid had the first little preview of that. Um, their closing paragraph is, that's all we know so far. We'll get to see him in the flesh at PAX. So they got some insider information, which moves on to the huge Eurogamer updates, and um, they had two articles, one being the Dark Carnival unveiled, which includes some information about the jockey as well, and another one about DLC pricing. So before we get into DLC, let's talk about Dark Carnival. Um, Thomas, did you take a look at this? Yeah, I did. I found the most interesting part is actually the, the latter half of the article because the uh, author gives away some of the new weapons that we will be seeing. Exactly. Exactly. And some of those are uh, a new electric guitar. I think there's a... Goodness. <laughs> they mentioned uh, a new katana too, I think. I mean, a katana was announced before, but they're concentrating a lot on the katana. Kotaku was as well. Um, another thing that I noticed, actually... There's a YouTube video of somebody playing at PAX, and somebody had a crowbar in their inventory. And all the melee weapons now show up on your back, which is kind of cool. So, they're it's concentrating tough. a lot on the melee weapons. But anyway, um, Dark Carnival. As you can guess, it takes place in a carnival. But in fact, for the first couple of maps, from what I understand, you have to actually make your way to the carnival by going through... Um, you know, like shanty motels and stuff like that. And as soon as you get in there, you can fight off, um, you can fight off various zombies, including a new zombie dressed as a clown. And they mentioned that there might be achievement for honking his nose, 
which is kind of funny. So that might be that might that might be fun. This is what I mean. I'm getting a little bit more excited for Left 4 Dead 2 now. I think they're doing proper PR. Doesn't Thomas? matter. You don't that, think so? No, and I think this is going to be like almost a segue to the other article because apparently uh, the Left 4 Dead 1 DLC is not going to be free across the board. My understanding is that it'll still be free for the PC user, but if you have it on the Xbox, you will be paying for it. Hmm. So, right, and they mentioned that in the second article on yeah. Gamer, which is about uh, Left 4 Dead 1 DLC pricing, not Valve's decision. Yeah. This doesn't really talk much about Left 4 Dead 2, but mainly about uh, the Left 4 Dead 1 campaigns. Yeah, I don't know, it's really, really annoying, and I think that's going to make Valve pretty hesitant to deal with Microsoft on a continual basis. I don't know, if I was a gaming company and a third party was charging for my free updates, I don't know how I'd take that. Right, but they don't have much of a choice at this point. I mean, Microsoft was nice enough to let them um, have some DLC for free, um, but I think now Microsoft is almost like, alright, we gave you sort of your leeway, now we're going to start charging for Crash Course. And that's what they're saying. It's, uh, it's They have European prices up on here, but it's uh, $4.76 pounds um, on from Eurogamer, so what? That's like eight, ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Ten bucks in the in the states. So, um, that's the price tag on Crash Course. And quoting Chet from uh, Eurogamer is, "We own our own platform, Steam. Microsoft owns their own platform. They wanted to make sure that there's an economy value. Um, there's an economy of value there. Um, they helped us get the first one out for free." We had one DLC out for free, and I think they have to look and say, wow, we're kind of being unfair to everybody else if these guys can do that. It's not like we're, in parentheses there, Valve is looking at this and saying, oh my god, we need some money, we're going to charge, obviously, or we do it on the PC. So it's kind of the way the system works right now. So it's out of their hands, I guess, and Microsoft is sort of putting the... They should do a PS3 release. They would never do a PS3 release, though. I mean, Gabe has already pretty much talked about that. I know, but they should. <laughs> Gabe's being a wiener. Yeah. The, the, the issue, though, is, you know, I, I, I sort of agree with what Chet is saying. If Microsoft is, is allowing Valve to do free DLC, then I can see this stance of other development companies saying, well, we want to do free DLC, too. Yeah. It puts, it puts Microsoft in, in a sticky situation. Uh, sticky. So there's, I, I don't know, there's not much Valve can say to them, you know? It, without sounding like whiny babies. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take what you can get, I guess. It's just sad, the, the current state of the gaming situation we live in. Oh well, so that's Eurogamer. Kotaku also had some pieces on Left 4 Dead. Um, one of them was their first impressions of on jockeys and swords. So they got um, some screenshots, the same screenshots Eurogamer has up on their site. Uh, I forgot to mention, though, you can check out Eurogamer for a good picture of the jockey. Um, it's on leftfordead2.net. It's on our agenda, so it'll all be in the show notes. There's a really good picture on, on uh, halflife2.net. Anyway, so Left 4 Dead... Um, sorry, Kotaku had some impressions. A lot of what we heard from Eurogamer, um, just sort of being regurgitated in their own words, 
And also they had um, another article later on in the week. It was called Meat Left for Dead 2's Jockey Infected. Once again, nothing really new because they got sort of the tail end of the news. Most of the news is still on Eurogamer or on Destructoid. So basically that's sort of the update from Left 4 Dead 2. So still, you're still not interested, Thomas? No, I'm, I, I'm really going to have to see something that knocks my socks off, like like proper giving or more realistic physics or a less ridiculous zombie run. I don't know. Yeah. Like the first Left 4 Dead reminded me way too much of the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which I didn't like. I don't know, it doesn't it feels like a Hollywood horror game and hmm. I can't just like I paid like fifteen, twenty dollars for Left 4 Dead one. Like the absolute highest sale it was ever on Steam, that's when I bought it. So hmm. I really can't justify paying full price for a pretty much a rehash, a repackaging of the same game. It's I a can lot. see what you're saying. I can see what you're saying. It's just I don't know. It's still also a mod thing. It. It's like also the exact same thing. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Stick anyway, moving on. Yeah, moving on with the rest of the news from uh, uh, from the Metal Valve. There's a Steam hardware survey that was posted early, early, early this week. And um, the, it's actually very interesting to look at. Nick was kind enough to find this for us. Oh, there's the fire trucks. Anyway. Um, it has really, really good information on here if, if you're interested to look at something like this, like video card usage by manufacturer, um, DirectX systems, processor usage by manufacturer, number of CPUs per user, and you can sort of see the growing trends over the past couple of months. So you can see, for example, I really like the CPU adoption trend in that um, one CPU is has been slowly decreasing since the month of uh, May or uh, yeah May right and uh, three CPU four CPU usage has been slowly increasing so it's interesting to sort of see how everybody is adapting to newer technologies and then finally you can see the more detailed versions at the very bottom there so if you're a game developer and you want to see like you know, your minimum requirements or something like that, this is probably a good hardware survey to see who can actually play your games. Because Steam, everybody uses Steam now, right? Pretty much. Like, you don't yeah. use Steam, like, you're in, like, some kind of hole. <laughs> exactly. Which actually brings, like, I just wanted to bring this up, because I was in the Future Shop the other day, and I went to look at their uh, PC game section, Mm -hmm. It was one shelf. That yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's how I felt too. I was like, "Holy crap!" Like I hadn't looked at a, like a PC gaming shelf in a store in about a year, and when I saw that, I just couldn't believe it. Like there was like, it looked like a bargain bin, but they were all new games. You know, <laughs> they were just like scattered all over the place. There wasn't like the big display boxes in the middle of the uh, floors with all the you know, game boxes and the little kiosk or anything. No, they're just all like scattered on the shelf and like toss seconds and like they're brand new games. I just couldn't get over it. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time, like here in Canada we have EB Games and you guys have uh, GameStop in, in the States. Um, I can't really remember the last time I walked into an EB Games because I just buy everything off Steam. If there's something I want, it's probably on Steam. Yep. 
Okay, so moving along in the agenda, after the Steam hardware survey, we had another Steam update. And uh, this was more fixing uh, issues with HTML pages. They fixed an issue where Steam uh, cannot be closed after playing Section 8. That sucks. And they fixed uh, Champion Online Keys not always being available when Steam first starts. So just some game fixes and then some HTML fixes. Um, JavaScript DOM modifications. So anyway, nothing too interesting there unless you unless you really care about JavaScript in your Steam website. Um, and then lastly, from Left 4 Dead, Half-Life2.net posted a good little collection of YouTube videos that came from PAX. So not only not only does it include, you know, some of the stuff that was on Eurogamer, some of the stuff from uh, xbox360.ign.com, but it includes some actual videos that, uh, that just normal people like you and I um, took from PAX. So they got a game, some gameplay footage, some carousel gameplay footage, highway fire katana gameplay, baseball bat, slide gameplay footage, and more PAX footage. Shows a deagle, question mark? So if you want to see some interesting things coming from Left 4 Dead 2. The, always the most interesting things we see is from the actual people on the floor, not from, you know, reporters. From the actual visitors of PAX. So lastly on the agenda, what I added this week, or not this week, this morning, were uh, two interviews with Chet, two more interviews with Chet. One is from at Game of Sutra, and another one is for uh, No More Game Blogs. I didn't get a chance to read this, and I don't think you read these, Thomas. So I'll leave these for next week, but uh, I threw them on the agenda, just so that in case you guys want to read them, you listeners out there, so you can keep up to date with news. We'll put them in follow-up and errata if there's anything interesting to, t to cover, but there are two interviews there. Game of Sutra always does really good interviews, especially if you're a game de developer. If you're a mod developer, read the Game of Sutra interviews. I guarantee you'll get something from it. I can already say that without even reading a word. So that's from the mouth of Valve. It was a long release, or a long list of announcements. Anything to conclude with, Thomas? Uh, just scanning through one of the interviews, uh, apparently Left 4 Dead 2 is going to be shipping with seven melee weapons. Ah, and Chet said that? Yeah. In which interview is that in? Uh, that is the second one from No More Games blog. Cool. About halfway down at Talks about chainsaw, crowbar, cricket bat, baseball bat, uh, frying pan, katana, hatchet. Hmm. They didn't mention the guitar. I don't know. They did not mention the guitar. Interesting. So maybe that maybe they'll be adding more later. I don't know how that'll work. I don't know. Because they announced the guitar at PAX, which is sort of weird. <laughs> Nick says maybe it shoots music notes and lightning, so not melee. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, moving on. Um, the release list this week is extremely short. In fact, I was hoping Philip would be here because I added this this morning um, on map slash mod from Planet Philip called Cool the Radical. Cool the Radical. Um, apparently. This map is 97% puzzle map. You simply need to solve the puzzles to progress. Set mostly indoors, you will find most puzzles straightforward, but some may have you scratching your head. 
Um, Philip gave it a 5 out of 5 play it. We'll probably be covering this next week again. Sorry for deferring a lot of these topics that we're talking about. Next week again on follow-up on Arado when hopefully Philip is on the show again. Um, so he's giving it a play it now. And he also told me that he was planning on posting something today as well that will definitely be going on the Hall of Fame. So keep your eye out on Planet Philip. Um, he just got back from vacation, so he's playing a little bit of catch-up. I'm sure he has lots of maps to post. Next on the list of releases slash updates, Synergy updated. And uh, one of the most interesting parts of this update, version 14, is added support for third-party mod City 7, City 7 Toronto Conflict, and they also added autosaves to multiplayer. And Nick and I were lucky enough to actually try this out. We decided we were going to play City 7 Toronto Conflict, and how it works is, um, at least for this mod, I'm not sure if it's different between maps or um, sort of a map or setting, but how it worked on City 7 Toronto Conflict is if you died and your partner was still alive, or your partners, if you're playing with multiple people, um, you will spawn on them. However, if everybody died uh, within the respawn timer, then the map would load up from an autosave. That's pretty much how it always worked, but instead of the map restarting, it loads up from an autosave now within the map. So wherever you were at that time, enemies will respawn. The map doesn't actually reload, which is really nice. It's a really, really quick respawn. Um, it just respawns all the entities, I guess. I'm not sure how it works in the technical way, but the autosaves work really, really well, and we were able to enjoy City 7 Toronto Conflict, I think, a lot better, because that's a hard mod to get through if you're just playing with uh, with two people. So it's pretty cool. Um, I think this is one of the first mods I've seen that's co-op that has some sort of autosaving technique, or some sort of saving technique. I don't know if, Thomas, you play a lot of co-op, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the closest thing I've ever come to quote-unquote saving was uh, the progression points that you could get and spend co-op, but that was about it. Mm -hmm. Those were mm -hmm. mapper dependent. Right, right, and you would just respawn at a new respawn zone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but this, like I said, it it not only saves um, not only saves like enemies in terms of like you have to rekill the enemies that if you're doing like an autosave just like in in single player, but it'll also save things like if, if scripted sequence happen, if a scripted sequence happens, um, you know, you, you can see that again, everything is saved, you know what I mean? So, um, it works just like in single player. It feels like you are playing single player with a second person. It just works that fluidly. It's nice. They have some other things in here um, on their changelog. You can check out the synergymod.net um, development, I guess, changelog for more information. Um, a lot of these are crash fixes and bugs with different entities and updated. They updated it to the new source SDK code base, which is actually pretty cool. So it includes TF2 animation system, TF2 player avoidance code, and uh, they say hopefully stability. A um, whole bunch of other updates and a, not, not much additions, but updates and bugs fixes. So that's interesting. Check out Synergy. If you have it on your Steamworks, then uh, you'll automatically get it downloaded. So you don't have to worry about going to their site and downloading the mod. It'll be there just for you. 
So that's the update this week. If you haven't played Synergy, I suggest you do it. Find a good friend. Play through some uh, some Half-Life 2. You can play through the episodes. Play through Lost Coast if you really want to. Um, Synergy allows you to do it all. So. I think Synergy was one of the first mods to be Steam work. Am I right in saying that? I have no idea, actually. It, it was there really early on. But anyway. Before I get in trouble saying erroneous things, let's move on to Media Blitz. <laughs> Sounds good. Take us away, Thomas. You can do Media Blitz and articles. Right, so. So, on the Media Blitz, uh, we've got some renders that are really worth looking, and I have to agree. Normally, I do not think renders are a very good um, indication of a mod's progression because they're just 2D images. They don't do anything. Uh, but Black Sector has released some, I, I can't lie, it's very pretty media. Damn right it is. Hells yeah. Like, if you're going to do a media update and show me little, this is the way to show me the most with what little you have. Like, these models are pretty, and the person that did the rendering actually put them in interesting poses where we can get a good look at all the details. Um, I'm not under fully understanding the the storyline behind Black Sector, but it looks promising just from the images alone. My understanding is, is that the whole idea is to destroy humankind and conquer Earth, so that's different. We don't see that taken what appears to be a serious tone in too many mods and games. So, if you haven't mm -hmm. started watching this, I'm gonna start. I'm actually adding it to my watch list of mod DVD right this second. So. Huzzah! Thomas has been convinced. Yes, they look pretty, <laughs> and hopefully they'll be able to do something with it. Right, Black Sector is actually in this post, um, and they say big thanks to Mozart MG and uh, Mozart MG and Schieffer. I guess those are the models, modelers that were working on Black Sector. Um, they're previewing the the Wrath Horde, which is the other team alongside the UASC United. Alliance Special Corps, and these are the different classes that you will be seeing. I'm not sure if you can play as the Wraith Horde. I'm not even sure if this is a multiplayer game. It could be just single player, but these are some of the models that will be included. They got the the, uh, the Stealth class, the Assault class, the Sniper class, the Heavy class, and these are some of the renders from all of them. Nick says uh, it's multiplayer only, so... Um, I guess I'm assuming you'll be able to play as the Wraith Horde, right? So that's cool. If it's multiplayer, you know, your normal team versus team, class versus yeah. class type thing. We'll have to dig into this. This might be worth uh, some investigation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But anyway, these model renders are absolutely brilliantly done. Mm -hmm. um, the amount of sheer detail on these things, especially if you look at the... One thing that I really noticed is the sniper class with, like, his teeth. Mm -hmm. With that teeth smile, that's just beautiful. Yeah, well, really we'll see how much beautiful. of that makes it into the game, because I'd be interested to know the uh, polygon and triangle counts on them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you don't see models like this in Half-Life 2. No. Not at all. And, I mean, if you see models like this in any game, it's usually done... The, the, the sort of depth of feel is done a lot through bump mapping and not through the actual polygons. Yeah, like we'd have to see like different breakdowns because for all we know, these could be bump mapped already, just not scared. That's true. That's true. You're you're right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's Black Sector. Moving on. Go for it. All right. 
Resistance and Liberation. You know, this is a mod that I don't think gets enough justice because their first God, it sure doesn't. Their first sure release doesn't. was kind of shaky. Like I'm gonna admit, not too many people played it because it was pretty bugged. But they've released a new video of uh, a recreation of the Carrington Causeway, and it's stunning. Like I think my favorite part of this whole thing, the whole video that they released, is the sky. Yeah, the sky is absolutely beautiful, and there's this point in the movie you can watch for it where he crosses this small little creek, and the the reflection of the sun in the water is just like wow, and it looks mm -hmm. really good. You know, Resistance and Liberation is really one of the few mods that make it seem like the map goes on forever. And we had a question like that on Podcast Seventeen before. You know, how do you define boundaries in maps? And I think what Resistance and Liberation is doing with their foliage and the way they're actually doing their skybox and everything. They do an excellent job of making it seem like the the landscape just continues on for infinity, much like it does in the real world. Um, maps just don't drop off, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the Carantan really, really, really shows that off. Yeah, it's well, the map, map has to be huge anyway. Like, I'm going to have to actually download this when it comes out and play it again because that map looks absolutely massive like there's a five the the video is like five minutes long and just walking through it showing off everything I, I have it the audio muted so I can watch it while I'm talking but there's commentary that goes with it that I have to go back and listen to because it just looks so good and mm. I think resistance and liberation kind of offers uh, something that no other World War II first-person shooter has. I think Gearbox tried with Brothers in Arms, but it became too arcadey. Whereas this looks like, okay, you know, some parts of France were really big open fields. Like, it's just the way that some of it was. And it's like, alright, you know, if you're going to call yourself a you know, World War II uh, gamer, you know, you should be able to see all aspects. And I think this offers something that no one else has yet, so... That's true. Um, this video alone made me go back and play Resistance and Liberation this week. And and what you said at the beginning of this sort of like media blitz is that they really do suffer from a low player count. These maps are so giant, but there's so few people playing this mod. And this is one of the, easily, easily one of the better mods for Half-Life 2. I was playing with a couple people, and, and the sheer amount of team play involved in getting around from point A to point B in Resistance and Liberation is is almost exhilarating, is really, really, really exhilarating um, in that you have to stay in formation, you have to stick together, um, there's a lot of communication involved, um, you know, in spotting out enemies, staying quiet, climbing over fences and staying in foliage. It's nice. It's a really nice mod, and I enjoyed playing it. I, I played, um, I played a very large map, almost like the, almost like the Carantan, I think it was a little bit smaller, but it was open with, with cornfields and stuff like that. I can't remember which map it was, but I had a really good time, and I was only playing with, like, three people. I can only imagine what it would be like with, you know, like, 32 people splitting up, doing objectives and stuff like that. So I think what RNL really suffers from is poor public relations, and that's really what it boils down to because they got everything else in the bag. Um, they just need to step it up in the public relations side of things. Yeah, they need to start flaunting their package because they've got the package they just need to you know aggressively get it out there mm -hmm. and I think that would it would benefit significantly from that yeah I think so too
Anyway, moving on. All right. Torn. This is a new one to me. Can't say mm -hmm. that I've heard too much about it. Tagline on ModDB reads, Earth. For many thousands of years, many people have believed Earth to only be the only inhabitable planet in the known universe. But little does mankind know that in the next year, their planet will be a smoldering ruin, devastated by an evil power more than new... I don't know if that English is right. Oh, anyway, it almost sounds like, you know, end of the world kind of setting. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, they've released four images of one of their uh, maps, by the looks of it. Not really okay. know what to say past that. Like, it, from what I'm reading in the tagline and what I see in the maps, I don't know. Yeah, they got some Area 51 thing going, so I'm not sure if they're going for something a little bit more sci-fi-y. Maybe they're going for something a little bit more alien-y. Um, the, the, the main problem with these images is, once again, we talk about this all the time on ModDB. If you're going to be posting images in your news post, make sure you can click them to go full screen. Um, because I can't see sort of the detail that's involved in some of these, and I would like to see some of the details from the outdoor Area 51 exteriors. Um, yeah. The hangars look cool. I mean, I can see what's going on there. Um, I mean, you can right-click and go view image, as Nick says, but a lot of people don't know to do that. Um, so after, after doing that, I guess, because I didn't even think about doing that, um, you can go and drill down to the exterior, which looks pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's still really early development, I guess. So I probably, if it were me, I might have waited a tad longer before I released these screenshots. But they need to get their name out there, and then the only way they can do that is to release the media. And I think this is like their first media update, because their gallery is completely empty besides these. Yeah, I think so too. Um, there's, there's no, yeah, I guess besides those, those are the only four images under news posts. They got... Uh, they had a teaser, I guess. Um, feast your eyes on the crappily goodness of a hanger. I don't know. Don't call your stuff crappy. Come on. Yeah. Oh, for like their second media release. You know, can't really harp on them that much. Still running no, with time so. to do. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens from Torn in the, in the future. All right. Anyway, moving on. So this update actually has me really excited. Yes. A Dear Esther update. Yes, this is their part two. I, were you here for the part one? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I remember playing that. So I am very excited for what they're doing. I guess, well, it's more of a remake, I guess, than it is part two. But That's what I mean. No, no, they had an update part one. I don't think you were here for the update part one because they, that was part of the remake as well. They had some images earlier from the remake. Okay. But, yeah, these look good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they really do. Um... I guess uh, Chinese Room. I'm not sure if that's a guy or if that's the company. I believe it, I thought it was a company that makes Dear Esther, but maybe it's just one guy or a group of people called Chinese Room. Anyway, um, yeah, God, the the foliage in this too. I hate I hate to go back to foliage, but he's really concentrating on making this mod look a lot more real. Eh? And he, I've also noticed that he's like taken a lot of the color and saturated it a lot, mm -hmm. and I can only imagine that that's gonna. Be add to the mood that Dear Esther has. Like, if you haven't played the first Dear Esther, you know, if you want something completely different that has, like, no shooting involved, so, in other words, Philip's favorite game, uh, <laughs> you need to try it out because the story is actually pretty trippy. Like, I don't know how else to say it. It's just trippy. Yeah. 
And don't play Dear Esther in a depressed mood, because you'll just get even more depressed. Yeah, you'll just kill yourself. <laughs> so anyway, keep your eye out on this remake. I think uh, Chinese Room is really pushing hard on getting this out, so... We've been seeing a lot of updates from him slash them. I'll have to verify that for next week, but uh, we're seeing a lot of updates. <laughs> Moving on. All right. So the last in the Media Blitz update is the weekly No More Room in Hell media update. Mm -hmm. So some concept images. We've got some audio updates. Now... In all fairness, I'm glad to see that they actually are starting to release in-game screenshots, finally. Yes. They look really good, too, actually. They look I okay. Love their, I love their... No, I love their view weapon models. The, the models that are actually in hand. Yeah, those called, look those good. Those are called the view, the view weapon models, right? Yeah, those, those look good. I'm really impressed with those. It's really hard to tell, though, because of where these screenshots were taken, how good the maps are. Mm -hmm. Like, the first screenshot showing off, I think, the crowbar is the only one that actually is a decent screenshot. Like, everything else is a hallway or, like, a bathroom or some corner of a room, and it really doesn't give me too much to look at. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I do find funny is that the cola machine in the second screenshot, it's called Coleman Cola, and that would be named after uh, the creator. Well, one of the creators, anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. Coleman. So I thought that was kind of cute that he's kind of stuck his own name in there. Instead of, you know, trying to get the Coca-Cola brand. You know what the first image reminds me of? Um, I don't know why, but the, the very first image with the crowbar in hand, those hands look a lot like Duke Nukem's hands. Do you, do you feel that way? You know, like when, when he sort of cracks his knuckles at the very beginning of Duke Nukem 3D? Uh, sort of. I don't know. But that's, yeah, that requires fun. a lot of imagination that I'm not sure if I have so early in the morning. <laughs> Anyway, these are some pretty good, uh, pretty good screenshots. They also have an audio update, which is 25 minutes long. Oh, I'm not listening to that. <laughs> if, if if you're uh, if you're interested, if you're I'm sure if you're already a No More Room in Hell fan, then check out these audio updates. I wish they would put it in in text format too. Yeah, I don't know. Because I feel like we're missing a lot from these audio updates. I'm sure they're going over a lot of what's going on in the code. 25 or... minutes is too long. Yeah, I really wish they would just put like a summation of of text. You know, if you're gonna do an audio update, please maybe they have it somewhere else. I can't find it on there on this news post, but please have some sort of link on your mod DB post saying, you know, and here's the rundown of what we're covering in our audio update. Yeah, because I'm just gonna assume that it's talking about stuff that's in the news post because why would you release something super important in an audio update that only half the people might listen to? You know, yeah. you kind of be shooting yourself in the foot if there's anything in that audio update, and there very well may be, and I might go back and listen to it later. But 25 minutes is a long time to hold my attention on an update when in that news post there doesn't seem to be that much to warrant a 25-minute audio update. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming they're going over a little bit of the coding. Um or what, what their current progress is. Uh, but like I said, some sort of summary would be really nice. Yeah, Maybe I'd, we'll do that. I'd like that in text so I can get the information that I need and leave in like five or ten minutes on a, on a news update. I don't want to spend half an hour waiting for, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
at least with Podcast 17, when you listen to our boring downloads, you have a show notes <laughs> list telling you what, you know, when in the podcast you can, like, fast forward to to listen to the stuff you actually want to listen to. Right, and that's why we do that. So. Yeah, so there you go. Take, take a page out of the Podcast 17's book. <laughs> anyway, before you move on to articles, um, I have some media blitzes here that I picked up this this morning, and like I said, we didn't get a lot of time to go through these, but I thought I'd mention them. They will be in the show notes. I know they're not on the agenda right now, so sorry, live stream listeners, but they will be in the show notes. I'm just going to go through them real quick just so that you guys can keep updated. Um, first on the list is Zeitgeist. They have um, some new uh, media and music and community issues to supply us with. Um, they have an overture up on their ModDB website. Um, they have some images of some bombs dropping. For those who don't know, Zeitgeist is, um, th they only have a quote on their, on their summary, which is interesting. He says, they say, for the wise man looks into space and he knows there is no limited dimensions. Um, so anyway, as you guessed, it's about, um, it's about flying, about perusing the air. So that's Zeitgeist. Check it out. Their overture is pretty cool. Next on the um, media blitz for honorable mentions is uh, Asmod Tactical. And they have a media release part two. And we'll be get, getting back to their part one in a second. Um, but they have some tactical Delta 6 early gameplay. It's a video, 2 minutes and 20 seconds. You can check that out and some notes about the video. Um, so they also want you to pay attention to some things which they mentioned there. Their part one has um, another another media release with some new screenshots and details about the next version. So this is mainly screenshot oriented. A lot of what we saw last week, or a lot of continuing of what we saw last week. We got some uh, images of some weapon uh, some weapons in there and a lot of gameplay footage. Not footage, but gameplay screenshots. Um, the AK-74U, the M79 grenade launcher, some Crook County promotional shots, and uh, some Vegas action, some DE Vegas action. So check those out if you're into S mod. 1985, another mod, um, it has another release, uh, another media release, and they got some cool Polaroid screenshots. They got one of a uh, medevac van, some uh, like a map shot, and then uh, a player render. It looks like it's in-game, in but I could be wrong. Um, so check those out if you're following 1985. And what Philip wanted us to cover, Strider Mountain has a release date of September 12th. Um, it will feature 17 maps, indoor and outdoor maps. 16 maps plus a collection of Easter eggs will unlock a bonus map. They got a nice little promotional poster which sort of goes over um, where you will be going in the Strider Mountain. Um, they also have some gameplay video there. So this is definitely one of the mods I'm looking forward to. Strider Mountain is a great, great, great mod. If you haven't played the demo, play it and then get yourself ready for September 12th. Because this mod is going to be amazing. Um, third to last is Sven Co-op Map Contest Extended. If you've been following Podcast 17 or Sven Co-op or the Sven Co-op forums, you know they're having a map contest. Um, they got some t-shirts, some videos, some etc's. Um, you can check that all out on their ModDB page. This is something that might be on follow-up and around in next week. I haven't looked into this yet. Combine Insurrection also has an update. Um, if you're following concept, c Combine Insurrection. And um, lastly, 
Lost World Source has some weapon renders to check out, and they have a video of their Uzi weapon animations in 3D Studio Max. So if you're a render type guy, which we're sort of not here at Podcast 17, but if you're into Lost World Source, check it out. And if there's anything from those that's really newsworthy, we'll cover next week on Follow Panorata. I just wanted to make sure we mentioned it. So that's that. Thomas, articles. All right. We've actually got some pretty good ones uh, here this week. Uh, the very first one, uh, this, this needs a little bit of an introduction. Uh, there's a crap ton of Maya tutorials available right now, all at this one link. And it's like a huge list. Yeah, God, it's huge. If you use Maya. <laughs> um <laughs> That's the problem, is that there's all this good information about using Maya, but I think I know maybe one person that's used it. Like, everybody yeah, I, I know I, either, you know, butt humps through Milkshape 3D or uses uh, 3D Studio Max. So Or XSI. I've even heard of less people using XSI in comparison to Maya. <laughs> when I was doing some modeling for uh, Daniel... Um, from Ragnarok Arena, I was using XSI, so. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's a very good program. Like, there's nothing bad about it. It's this, it's the underdog. Like, mm-hmm. no, nothing else to say. But there is, like, so many tutorials. Very useful. Some of them are very specific, but you know, that's okay, I think. So. Yeah, well, I mean, if you want to make something very specific, why not look at a tutorial about it, so. Yep. Yeah, these tutorials are great. If I don't know, if, from your experience, Thomas, and I know you're not a modeler. Well, I know you're not a modeler for Half-Life 2. But if you had to pick a modeling program, you know, for new people who are starting to get into modeling, what would you pick? Um, that's a good question. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't recommend Milkshape simply because even though that's what I was forced to use. Because I keep hearing that 3D uh, 3D Studio Max is like the best modeling program to learn how to use, hmm. but there's a cost that goes with that program if you're <laughs> purchasing it legitimately. Whereas right. Milkshape costs twenty dollars, so if you're starting out, and XSI is free. Yeah. If you get the the Valve version or the condensed version or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Milkshape for what it's worth, I think, is probably the closest cousin to uh, 3D Studio Max, so like you can go from Milkshape to 3DS without a too steep of a learning curve. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why I suggested that, and I haven't used XSI myself, so can't really comment. Alright, fair enough. But anyway, these, these tutorials are out there if you're a Maya animator. Pretty good quote. Pretty good tutorials. Good collection. They're 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 really nothing new. I think what what the guy did was just sort of take a whole bunch of tutorials and put them on one site, so you don't have to do a lot of googling. Yeah, it was like that uh, source blog website. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still around or not. Mm-hmm. And you- anyway, moving on. Uh, ModDB month in review. So yeah, this is kind of our little lip service to ModDB. Please don't kill us. Um, if you like seeing what is available in the entire gaming community, not just Half-Life and Half-Life 2, then uh, I would certainly check this out. They've got apparently a lot of content 
uh, free, as well as it looks to be some independent games. But, uh, yeah, if you're into modding in general and like free stuff like the rest of us do to spice up our games, then be sure to check it out. Uh, Slums 2 is featured for Half-Life 2, so uh, if you're a Slums fan or want to know more, be sure to check out the uh, Mod DBTV. Yep, and uh, Perfect Stride Forever is on there too, and Dream Ball, and Provenance, so I'd say a good, a good amount of this stuff is from Half-Life 2. That's why I put it on here. I mean, there are some things that are on, uh, that are from other mods, but hey, why not? If you like mods, and, and if you have other games, you can check those out too. Yeah, chances are if you mod one, you'll mod the rest. Yeah. Yep. All right. And uh, next on the list is Python for Source. Now, a good chunk... Oh, an error hasn't occurred. They took it down. Did they? Well, I remember the article. Yeah. Hold on. You talk about the article, and I'll try to find if maybe they moved it somewhere else. But they took it down. It's really depressing. All right. Well, what Python essentially is, is it's a particular uh, set of code that allows... Uh, that section of code to be dynamic, so not necessarily like one path, like there can be variations. And the variations of these said paths can be controlled uh, not necessarily directly by the player, but they're not hard-coded into the game. So it's almost like, uh, how would be the best way to describe it? Like it's almost like having a box, and instead of having just a lid that you open and close, you have this like new super fancy lid that can open like with a spiral or it can just open flat out or it can open like a regular box it's got different ways that it can open and the user can choose or have it sec uh, selected randomly to open different ways I don't know that's a poor analogy my apologies but that's the only way I can really think about it and uh, the GoldenEye Source team is working really hard to implement this and had uh, released uh, almost an SDK and um, we're trying to find out what happened to it for whatever reason. Yeah. I'm gonna search their. Uh, I'm gonna search their form. So tell us actually what what this SDK will allow GoldenEye Source to do within the Source engine. They're not exactly telling us that, and I couldn't fathom a guess. Hmm. Like I so. know a bit about coding, but this is about outside my realm of comfort to talk on authority. Not yeah, I guess uh, Ryanswick found. Yeah, I guess this is the same thing, Nick. This is what I saw. Yeah, Ryanswick found um, Python for Source SDK Bravo on the Half Life 2 downloads section of uh, the actual Half Life 2 game in on mo on the mod DB profile. This was originally on the GoldenEye Source profile, but I guess now it's just on stock um, Half-Life 2, so I guess that's more of where it belongs, I think, if it's just for Half-Life 2, not just specifically for GoldenEye Source. Um, but anyway, so it's there. I'm glad it didn't get pulled for some weird reason. Yeah, just a point of interest that I found interesting was that the preview image is actually from um, Civil Protection, one of the Ross mm -hmm. Scott episodes. Yeah, I noticed that too, that's interesting. So I'm wondering if they used that for that skit or what. I'm not too sure. 
it almost looks like they did, and those were like the past that the zombies traveled or something when they came over the room. There's a tutorial at um, at the De Valve developer community, so the VDC. It's called Adding Python. Um, they they have a nice little wiki up there, and it's actually quite long on how you can add Python to your own source mods. Um, adding the dynamic scripting language to the game allows for rapid changing of game elements and also allows the community to change and expand the game, just like you were saying, Thomas. Um, there are many scripting languages to choose from, but why Python? Compared to other scripting languages, Python offers a relatively simple syntax, dynamic typing, vast standard libraries, easy um, easy to interface with C, C++, via boost.python, and a lot of other documentation and tutorials. However, Python does have a few setbacks. It's very hard to sandbox Python, thus it can open up a lot of exploits to server operations, and there are some com complexities that the programmer has to deal with. So you can check that out. There's also um, event scripts, which is... Um, Nick is just sending me a whole shit ton of, of links. Um, event scripts for the Valve Source Engine as well uses Python-like um, code. There's event scripts Python, which is um, in event scripts 2.0, includes the full Python scripting support language within event scripts. So you can check that out as well. So there's a lot of alternatives. If you're a Python coder, this might be something you want to look into. Or if you're a developer and you want to integrate some of these real-time events into your mod, also might be something you would like to check out. Word. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. So I like developments on developments on developments. <laughs> and moving on to the last thing, um, we already mentioned the Strider Mountain release. I put that in articles as well. September 12th. Check it out. I think that's uh, that's a Saturday, so be prepared. And oh. lastly, Captain Quark sent in a listener audio question. Not an audio question, a listener question. Um, he asks, From what I understand, Gold Source Engine did not have the ability to show true reflective mirrors. For example, the bathroom mirrors were always grayed out. When Half-Life 2 was released, mirrors were still rendered this way, even in Left 4 Dead. Why? Is the limit... Is this a limitation of the engine itself? Um, there are some responses in the agenda, one from Al Hoppe and one from Steve UK. And I also asked um, Eckhart from Ragnarok Arena to answer this. And I guess Tom, Thomas probably has some things to say. But from um, an overall gen general perspective, I just want to mention something first real quick. And that is, um, I think the real reason they didn't put... For sure, Valve could code in mirrors and reflective surfaces like that um, in Half-Life 2, definitely. It's, it wouldn't be hard for them to do. They're an extremely talented team. Um, but I think the real reason they didn't do it in Half-Life 2 and why it extended into Left 4 Dead was because um, they don't want the player looking back onto Gordon Freeman. They have this stigma in the Half-Life universe where um, as soon as you see Gordon Freeman, you will become disconnected from the game. And the Valve development team really doesn't like this. Um, the only time you really see Gordon Freeman is in one of the Gearbox expansions or something like that. You see him sort of walking around. Um, other than that, you're not going to see yourself, so why would you see yourself in a mirror? It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, there are some technical reasons. Al Hoppe mentions um, it's not the limitation of the engine. In Portal, you can have some sort of mirrors. That's what uh, Eckert said as well. Um, portals 
you can definitely see yourself so the engine is very capable of doing that in fact um, if you remember in the one of the E3 demos for Half-Life 2 they had that really interesting camera sequence where you can actually look at the G-Man who is standing on a pedestal with the cameras so it's very much doable um, he also goes on to say and using that same kind of 3D camera texture portals you can create a proper mirror if you wanted to seeing that the mod X exit E was able to replicate the 3D camera I think it would be possible for a mod team to make a mirror um, but the thing is the engine has to render that mirror area twice I'm not sure if the portal mirror affects how long it takes to render but I imagine it's still some time in Half-Life 2 they don't want you to see yourself just like I said because Gordon Freeman is not supposed to have a face in a multiplayer game like Left 4 Dead even that small FPS wouldn't, uh, drop wouldn't be worth it especially since something like a mirror wouldn't be really that important to gameplay so um, that's interesting also there was another mod Thomas can you think of the name that added mirrors in Half-Life Dan mentioned it Spirit, Spirit of Half-Life yeah, well that's not necessarily a mod that's a code set yeah the, the code set that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. And Steve UK said uh, it would be entirely possible, including reflections on windows, but that would involve using render targets in order to produce the desired effect. And they can be pretty expensive for what is a novelty effect. So I don't think Valve really cares about something like this. Yeah, well, they don't need to. But I think like the first place I saw the mirror effect was in Duke Nukem. Yeah, for sure. And, and if a game that early on can do something like that, then... Valve yeah, there's go. no reason that the Half-Life engine wouldn't be capable. So. So anyway, um, that's pretty much the end of the episode. Thank you, Captain Quark, for sending in that uh, that question. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to send it to feedback at podcast17.com. Um, also, Obsidian says Sin Emergence had mirrors and was on the Source engine. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback at podcast17.com, you can always email us. There's also uh, a contact sort of section on podcast17.com. Um, you can contact us there as well. So feel free to do that. And uh, I don't know. Nothing much else to say. Thomas, any closing remarks? Uh, no, I think we're good to go. Yeah. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Tune in every Sunday, um, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we do this live over live stream. You can check out live.podcast17.com or you can go to www.livestream.com forward slash podcast17. Um, other than that, we will see you next week.